We need to bypass the objections that they're going to try to give and solve them before they even come up. We're not looking because we're trying to sell. But as a result of looking, you will find things to sell. We're not trying to make the customer say things they don't want to say. But we're asking questions that allow us to get the truth of the answer. So as a result of all these things, we truly can service them at the highest level. We always offer a range of choices from the finest money can buy to the most bare bones frank and fix we can come up with. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, hanging out, and we are looking forward to a new and exciting episode this week. We have a double guest episode for you this week with two guys joining us with Clay Newmeyer and Joseph Lucani joining us today from Electricpreneurs and the podcast and information and everything that goes along with that. It's going to be a good conversation and uh, it's going to be for electricians only. So all of you plumbers and HVAC techs out there, you have to stop listening right now, lest you be exposed to all the deep and dark secrets of the electrical world. I bet you if you sell home service products for a living or are trying to build a home services business, you might find something in this. Nay, episode. I tell you, Brian, nay, it will not happen. <laughs> this is strictly about electrical things. But before we get too far on that and all the fun that we're going to have, we have to break down a little bit of stuff ourselves. We're going to look to Brian for our quote. I can get a good doctor in a minute and a half. Getting a really good electrician, that is hard. Charles Murray. All right. That's cool. That's cool. I like it. Straight up electrician quote. <laughs> yeah. See, all that all that bread I burn on Sparkies, you know, I really love you guys. It's a joke. All right, I like you guys. I really like you guys. It's a joke. They're a joke or they're the butt of the joke. Um, I'll leave that in your hands, bro. You're the one who said it. <laughs> Yes, well, we do appreciate the electricians out there and all of you in uh, podcast land who are listening to us now. Thank you so much for what you do. And it is really something that we don't focus on. In fact, the entire industry seems to be shy on focusing on straight up electrical training. And that's what makes these two guys uh, so exciting in what they're doing. And they're bringing uh, some straight up focus to the electrical side of the trades industry. And it is so needed. It is needed. The Sparkies of the world are... uh sorely sorely underserved i believe in terms of communication training and even building a business there's so much for hvac there's you know significantly less for plumbing but still a lot for plumbing but i think the electrical side has gotten underserved to this point and and we on this show certainly want to work toward giving them the uh, credit they deserve and the help they deserve and that's why we're bringing on our first electrical only training team so I, I wanted to talk about some trade tips. I thought it'd be cool if we had like a like a button to press where it's like do, 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 trade tips, you know. Like, Let's see what I can do here. Oh, perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for. Wait, how about me dreaming of having some trade tips uh, button here? And this is why Brian's not allowed to touch the control board. So 
I was uh, I was in Vegas doing some plumbing. I was doing a a, mate, a plumbing maintenance call, <clears throat> and uh, found some old rubber hoses on the washing machine. And all the plumbers out there, I don't care what you are, HVAC techs, electricians, you guys too, but America's swimming pool, mosquito squad, whatever you're in, whatever you're doing, uh, restoration companies, you guys know better. If you see rubber washing machine hoses in someone's house, you should be telling them to, to get them swapped out. You know, call the plumber, whatever. You need to get those swapped out with some braided stainless or something. So I was doing a maintenance call, and I, this is on a second floor. And in Las Vegas, it wasn't, it wasn't that uncommon for the washer and dryer to be on the second floor and then maybe have like a little pan under it. Sometimes, not always, which was even scarier. But regardless, even if they had a pan under it, if your washing machine hose bursts, is that pan going to do you a whole lot of good? No, sir. No, and thankfully this isn't a story about a washing machine hose bursting. This is a story about my ego bursting. Okay. Hang on. The entire audience is now leaning in a little <laughs> bit closer to the speakers. Go for Finally. it. <laughs> so I think I replaced washing machine valves and the, and the hoses with some beautiful braided stainless. Hold on. Let me do it while I interlock my fingers and pull them apart. Braided I see it. stainless. Good hose. illustration. Um, I swapped them out and went on about my merry way. And I got a call from my manager at that time, man, maybe a day or two later. And he said, your, your client, Shirley, whatever, called in and said, hey, she really didn't want to get you in trouble here. And fortunately, she found it just in time. But you never put her washing machine hose drain back into Ooh. the drain pipe. Ouch. So the, she did not have a drain pan. And I remembered because, you know, this was, I don't know, 10 years ago. Or, no, I'm sorry, like 14 years ago. She, when she called in, she said that the drain hose was slid under the washing machine. So I probably didn't see it when I was packing up. And she's absolutely right. I probably just let it slide under the washer and completely forgot to hook it back up. And for whatever reason, she looked back to see the new hoses and realized the drain wasn't in there as she turned her washing machine on. So it was on, but it had not started draining yet, and she caught it and slid it right back in there. That's a heads-up homeowner. Shout-out to Shirley. Buddy. I mean, I somehow miraculously never flooded a home in all my years of shoddy subpar plumbing work that I did. Never flooded a single house, but there were multiple divine interventions like that one where I probably should have flooded a house, but I was saved. And so she put it back in and I, and I was, you know, and, and my manager at the time called me and told me that. And I'm like, Oh man, yeah, thanks. I'm glad she caught that. And I actually got her number and gave her a call and apologized and, and thanked her for being so gracious on first and foremost, you know, she didn't call to light me up. She was just like, you know, how bad this could have been. So I just want to make sure you're you're paying attention next time and catching that kind of thing. So as I was driving to my call or whatever, I was thinking like, how do I make darn sure this never happens again? And I would, at this time, I don't remember if I, it was like lunch I was packing or like shakes or something like that, but I was like packing, taking things to work and I would always forget to take it. So um, and be it, you know, a protein shake, be it you made yourself a lunch or leftovers from yesterday that you're going to microwave at a gas station or something. I found a trick that actually works, which is I would take my truck key and I had that key all by itself, my truck ignition key. 
and I would set that key in the refrigerator with whatever I wanted to remember to take the next day. So I would do that at night. And, and you could still do this today. If it's something that doesn't need to be refrigerated, just go set it near your work boots. Um, Sparky near your loafers or whatever you guys wear, since you don't work. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so I, I carried, I had zip ties in my tool bucket. Because one thing I always did was when I would put the new uh, supply lines in for, for replacing emergency shutoff valves, I wouldn't want to leave all the supply lines and dishwasher line, all that stuff just kind of hanging and, and looking all cluttered. So I would zip tie them up and make them, make them look really even and nice. So from then on, when I pulled a, a washing machine hose out, I would take my truck key immediately and zip tie my truck key to that washing machine hose. So from that point on, I would zip tie my truck key to a washing machine hose. If I had to unplug a deep freezer, I would zip tie my truck key to that to that cord because, and I won't name any names here, we had someone here um, twice, <laughs> two separate times, unplug someone's deep freezer, forget to plug it back in. And one of the times was a freezer full of Alaskan salmon. Yeah. It had like moose meat in there or something. They didn't buy it from the local Kroger. Oh, my man. Word. The guy saved up his whole life to take his son salmon fishing in Alaska and uh, brought all this salmon home, got it shipped, free shipped home and put it in the freezer. And still makes me shudder. Yeah. You know, it was soup when they, uh, next time they opened the freezer. So <clears throat> you know, we got to we got to cover that for them. We took care of them. They, I think we replaced it with tuna, but it's fine. <laughs> Look, it's fish. What are you going to do? Ugh. So from there on, I zip-tied um, my truck key to a washing machine hose, to a cord, to anything that I couldn't forget to do. And I highly recommend that. Your truck key is the one thing you are not leaving that house without. So that's one of those tips that every time I give a morning meeting and, and, and rehash that, at least five techs take a picture of their truck key zip tied to something over the course of the next week and say, thanks for the tip. I probably would have forgotten to do this. So don't get yourself in trouble whenever you think I'll remember that. Look in the closest reflection you can find and say, you're not smart enough to remember that because <laughs> we're not, we got a lot of crap going on. Um, and to take the zip tie out, take your truck key out or just, just set your, your key under the washer with the drain or whatever, you know, whatever it is. But it's a good way to remember those kind of things. What happens if you also don't remember where you put your key? <laughs> like if you go to, if you find the zip tie and you're going to zip tie your truck key to it and you can't find your truck key? No, well, that, that would be a problem too. I meant like you slid it under the washer and now you can't remember where. Oh, where I, I can't it. tell you how many times I'm like yelling at my wife and kids, who took my truck key? I got to go. I'm late. I'm going to get written up. Uh, like did you check the fridge <laughs> oh yeah i just did it last week i was bringing my man brennan here some uh some cheese that that i have that he's never tried it's just this amazing Kerrygold butter which is the best butter on earth they make some cheese delicious cheese and uh cut them a couple slices set it in the fridge in a ziploc bag said i'm i forgotten it i'd forgotten to bring it to him two days in a row and this time I set my truck key in there and behold, remember to bring it that next morning <laughs> after 15 minutes of screaming at the kids who took my truck key. Right. Did Brennan enjoy the cheese with the key imprint in it? 
<laughs> I couldn't I couldn't tell you if he ate it or not. We'll have to ask him when we get out of here. I like what you're saying there, Brian, and it is one of those small things that can make a big difference, right? And that's that's so much about what we talk about here. We talk about hundreds of different things over these episodes about small little items that can make a difference in your presentation, in your communication, in your service, your client experience, whatever it is. And we're going to be talking about more of that stuff today, specific to electricians, but as Brian sort of alluded to, I'm sure a lot of this will also apply to the general home services industry at large. And before we get into that exciting conversation with our two guests, we're going to break down our review of the week. Love this podcast! There's three exclamation points, so that's, wah, wah, wah. that's what it sounded like in my head. Five stars. Always so informative and interesting. B-F-P-L-I. Ben Franklin Plumbing, Illinois. L-I? B-F-P-L-I. I think Illinois is I-L. Well, B-F, Ben Franklin, P-L, Plumbing, I. Oh, I gotcha. I can't think of an L-I, so. Long Island. <laughs> Long Island. All right. All right. <laughs> if, if so... That would be one George and Lynn Fryer. Could be. Could be George and Lynn Fryer. This is like uh, the masked singer. It's like the masked reviewer. Yeah, we have no idea. <laughs> but we do know the owners of the Ben Franklin Plumbing in Long Island, New York, and that's George and Lynn Fryer. If they did not give us this review, we're just saying what's up anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. And whoever did, we appreciate you. Thanks for the review. And if you uh, would be so kind as to tell us how much you appreciate the podcast in an Apple review, we appreciate it. Or tag us on Facebook or uh, whatever. Whatever you want to do. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening. You know, thanks for downloading. If you don't want to do anything else. <laughs> we do appreciate that as well. And what we're going to help you appreciate right now is our two new guests as we put Joe and Clay in your passenger seat. Our guests today are Clay Newmeyer and Joseph Salesbot Lucani. They are two master electricians with a business addiction. Too many fail in their small business, and they are not going to rest until they change the game. So they host a podcast, and they do a lot of Facebook Live videos and coaching as well. But we're looking forward to a great conversation with them. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Hey, hey, thanks for the intro. Yeah, good to talk to you guys. It's We uh, took the opportunity to catch up a little bit before coming on the show as we were figuring out some microphone stuff and uh we got to know that clay is in vancouver right way up north northwest and uh yeah way up north and joseph is in new york i didn't know what city you said the city but i didn't know where that was where's that at Joe? yeah i'm actually i'm in new windsor new york so pretty much you can assume that we are orange county that means we're not in the city Surprisingly, everyone seems to think when you think New York, they think, oh, you're in the city, which borough? Like, nope, we're in the cow country part. <laughs> yeah, a common misconception with New York. It's pretty much just one city. <laughs> yeah, it's just one city and everything else is just not city, right? That's right, yeah. Uh, well, welcome to the show, fellas. We're excited to have you on. And uh, I know that both of you are, are well acquainted with the social space and you're doing good things with the um, your groups and everything around them uh, called Electricpreneurs. Uh, so why don't we start there, talk a little bit about that, and then also how you even got into the whole electrical side of the home services business to begin with. Awesome. 
Um, Clay, if, if you mind, we kind of like answer it in, uh, together. I was going to say, I'd love to talk about why we're here. And then Clay, do you mind describing what we do? Yeah, man. I mean, you want me to get you started here? Here we go. For electricians, by electricians. Oh my God. Why is there such a shortage on resources for electricians? Okay. Joseph tag, you're in, buddy. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> love this guy. So the thing is, is that when, when we started off, like I've been an electrician since I was 14 years old. Um, I remember I started really kind of get, trying to get into business and learn a little bit more right around 2011, 2012. And at the time, there really weren't a lot of resources to learn. I remember I, I was desperate to learn and I've got my own stories and in my interview, you guys can hear more about that as to the why I struggled learning so much. But the problem was there just weren't out there. The trainers were not available. And the closest I could find was like the generalist HVAC plumbing coaches that also touched on electric. And I invested everything I could into that. But what I realize now, you know, years later is that in order to develop and really, really train on good quality electrical training, you have to be able to speak the language. So the difference between us and some of the people of the past is that Clay and I are both licensed master electricians. We both ran businesses. We both had to be out and doing things. Like, I know I could put Clay in front of a PLC and he could do amazing jobs. I know I could put me in front of any residential situation and I'd be able to clean it up and get it done. But it, because of those reasons, I feel that that qualifies us to speak to that de- demographic. Yeah, for yeah, certain. I think there's a great story that, that, that Joseph, you told me before, and that was, you know, having been someone, you know, skip ahead, who has done some coaching with plumbing and HVAC models as well. When you get multi-trades in, in the same room and try to support them at the same time, we're always disengaging someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's unfortunately way too common. You know, well, like one of those situations where some people will say, well, this applies with electric too. And it's like the concept of, well, if you can sell a condenser or if you can communicate why nano rod needs to be changed, you can communicate why a customer needs to have their aluminum wire taken out. But it goes so much more in depth to that. There's a lot of subtleties that require someone to understand. Like, a lot of times you could think to yourself, just a basic example, take a call that an electrician would struggle with, where they'd say, well, that's great if the customer's home has aluminum wiring, but what if I show up and they've just got a trip GFI? It would require an electrician with a deep understanding of home wiring to be able to say, you know what? Yeah, you could just do this, or why not consider localizing that so that GFI is not tripping multiple things? Why not install the quad box? Why not install USB protected points? Why not install source protected points? Why not diagnose how it's wired based on our knowledge of it? So long spiel trying to wrap short, you need to be an electrician or have a strong understanding, strong, strong understanding of electrical systems and how to communicate those with customers if you're ever going to be able to rise above your competitors. Okay. So you're taking the the specialist approach, you know, you're the, the, the nano surgeon as opposed to just a general. Before we get into uh, surgery here, buddy, let me just say as a guy who stands up Wednesday mornings and, and at least every Wednesday morning and trains plumbers, HVAC techs and electricians at the same time that uh, what he said about you're always losing somebody is like dead on like trying, trying to conduct a meeting on presentation selling when you get product specific for all three teams at the same time, it can be, it can be tricky. No doubt about it. I got to, I got to say, I appreciate that. And in every way, 
like looking up to you guys. I think you guys do an amazing job for what I've seen. So I appreciate all your efforts and, and you guys showing up to, to help everyone out there who's listening as well. Yeah. Thanks buddy. And we do, we try to, we try to make everything as general as possible. So let's just talk about selling, but when it's time to talk specific products, you have to mm. talk, you have to be trade specific. You almost have to. 100%. There is no, 100, like, there is no, you can sell a tankless water heater. Therefore you can sell, you can sell an upgraded panel. Like you have to train each one individually. And I will say reason we brought electricians on here onto the show in the, in the first place was like, it, we just found it impossible to get a trainer in here who was electric specific. So we brought someone in who said they could do all three and did all three and, and they did, you know, 80% HVAC and 15% plumbing and maybe 5% electrical, maybe. And it, it was not. Yeah. And uh, as, as we kind of, as I comb through the trades, I found that there are very, very few resources for electricians specific. There are very few for plumbing, but there are a lot more for plumbing than there are for electrical. And I think it's a prime market for something like the Electricpreneur podcast and training that you guys do. And for anyone who wants to get into a new wing of training, that's kind of unexplored right now. It's the, it's the residential electric um, aspect. It's just, there's just not a ton of, of good resources out there for it yet. I mean, there's, there's a good presentation training across the trades, but when you get into specific for products and stuff like that, it's not a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I love that you said, I thank you. Yeah. We appreciate that as well. Hey, um, you had mentioned something that really stood out and that was in the residential market. And I feel like you're, you're a thousand percent correct on that because when you're going into home, it's operating very, very differently than when you're going into a commercial setting. Because when you go into a home as an electrician, we have an obligation as a professional, not just to solve the problem. We're not repair people where we're just going in to be like, oh, I'm just going to make you keep working. We have to look at this and say, not only am I going in to fix the problem, but I'm also at the same time trying to solve an emotional pain point that the customer has. Because with HVAC and plumbing, when something's not working, like it's going to be 87 degrees in New York this week. I know for a fact that there are going to be people who are going to say, I need my AC working. This is too uncomfortable. I don't want to deal with it. But if you have a countertop out with go bad or a room that you never really use doesn't have light, you can delay that for a long period of time. So what we specialize in, in not only understanding the what and the why, but now learning into how can we communicate that so the customer doesn't feel overwhelmed, so that they feel heard, and then also that they can understand the value that we're really trying to bring to the table. Does that make sense? For sure, guys. And before we get too far, I'd like to understand a little bit about how you got into the trades yourself. Like, what is your personal story of how you started stripping wires? Sure. I was going to say, Clay, do you want to take it first? Do you want me to go first? What do you rather do? I don't you want to what? neglect you. You know what? We just did uh, my interview, my personal interview on our show uh, last week, and it aired uh, today. So that's pretty fresh. So you know what? I'll give you the 10-second uh, the tidy journey for me was, honestly, I just, I think, young age, felt a lot, uh, faced a lot of adversity, rather. And then I just wanted things my way. I just wanted to work for myself. So as, as a 18, 19 year old, I started my first company. It wasn't electrical. It was concrete. And I didn't realize at the time the skills I was developing and, and, uh, really the tenacity that we put forth. But I was going door to door selling driveways for five to 10 K a pop. And we just canvassed entire blocks of uh, neighborhoods and, and we just made it work. Uh, me and a buddy of mine, and then took on a big project a couple of years later. 
a massive, like a $44 million municipal project and lost my shirt in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But I paid, I paid my staff and absorbed that debt to the government instead of bankruptcy, instead of writing stuff off. So I've always had good intentions and I saw this huge gap in my business and project knowledge and experience in ethical boundaries. I mean, I shouldn't have even been awarded this foundation for this um, building, this development. But I was, and I learned some of my best lessons in life from that failure. Mm-hmm. And so it just this burning passion to like fill that void. And as I did for myself in my second business, more in the project realm, um, because the next good fortune I had was electrical came my way uh, within a year or two after my failure. And I just, I just went straight vertical. And I just haven't stopped. And it was everything I could do to to work at the highest level for that company that helped me get into this trade. And then it was, okay, I'm an electrician. I've been running projects, you know, doing three to $10 million projects. Then it was, I'm going to get my PMT and be a project manager and fill that void. And it was, okay, I'm going to be a master electrician. Then it was, hey, I'm starting a company again. It just kept going, going, going until realizing, you know, what? when when COVID happened, we all felt the world change. I was like, man, I'm trading all my time out there for projects. And projects are so unforgiving. And there's so many people dealing with the same challenges I did with that that I just want to help them. And so I just went full time into this, into helping other contractors, other electricians develop their business, better understand their projects, and then eventually found home service. And that's what uh, eventually attracted Joseph here. And we've been partners now for for a few months in this journey. Well, fantastic. What about you, Joseph? So... My story is a, a little bit different um, and it's a little harder to condense, but I'm going to do my absolute best to try and make it as concise as possible. Um, I started off in the trades. I started off as an electrician when I was 14, 15 years old. Pretty much, I just knew up to that point in my life that I was different. Like I just knew I was different and I had a very different relationship with my family as well. So like when I was 14, I literally went to my father and said, sir, what should I do with my life? And he kind of looked me up and down and said, you're going to be an electrician. And I literally said, yes, sir. And then went to trade school. And luckily, I fell in love with it. I absolutely fell in love with it. And the reason why I loved it so much was I thought that it was a way out for me. Like I've, I've always struggled to communicate with people. And I've always struggled in a lot of different ways because I'm, I'm actually an autistic person. And I didn't realize that until I was like 27, 28 years old. So for me, the trades was like a safe haven to get to. And a way that I thought that I was going to be able to you know, oh, if I do this, I won't have to talk to people. The problem was, is that I've learned to really grow in this trade. You have to learn how to communicate because you can be the best electrician in the world. Like you can turn better wires than anyone else. You can know the code like back of your hand. You can be really good at install. But if you can't communicate what you're doing to yourself and your team members and your clients, you're just going to continue being a very unemployed electrician. So... Um, I remember I started getting out so at 14, 15, and then I ended up getting into a multi-trade company right around 2011, which was right around when Hurricane Sandy was going around. And I ended up getting into generator maintenance at this company. And they found that they had a knack for them, but I just couldn't sell. I could not sell for the life of me. I was the worst salesperson I, I personally have ever met. Um, like I couldn't close a job that was physically like you could have had no power and I'd walk out without being able to sell it. So this company, they believed in me enough to say like, Hey, we'll invest in you. But the problem was that I was so unhappy 
with my life and where I was at because I didn't know that I was autistic and I didn't know why I was so different at the time that when I found out that they were pretty much going to fire me if I didn't succeed with this sales training that they sent me to, my thought was I'm going to kill myself when I come home. So to transition this into a slightly less dark conversation, clearly I'm here with you guys right now, which means that I didn't go through with it, which means that I didn't fail at it. I took the training that was provided to me and I dedicated my entire life to it. And I perfected that process and modified that process and shifted it and grew it and made it my own until seven, eight years later, I was able to consistently do $1.3 million out of my service van. And I was consistently hitting an 80% close ratio on residential service calls. So it's kind of like this story where I started off being the worst worst, worst possible salesperson, but through personal development, learning about who I am, learning about how to communicate, starting my own company at the age of 22, developing and correcting this process, it went from, I felt comfortable to really take on and educate others on how to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's interesting that both of you have such um, adversity in your backgrounds. I mean, from different angles, but certainly overcoming a lot of odds that were stacked against you. And I'm sure that that creates mm-hmm. a good dynamic between the two of you. And and the trades is no stranger to adverse backgrounds or upbringings. And it seems to uh, recruit, so to speak, those who have poor relationships with family and, and you know, uh, have made some poor choices in life. And so, hey, well, I'll go, I'll go to the trades. I'll do some stuff like this. So as you look into, you know, the electrical side of the home services business and you, you consider all the people that you've done coaching with or training that, that you've talked to over the years, what do you see as like commonalities with that adverse background and where the trades is today? Is that something to, to grab a hold of and say like, Hey, this is going to push me farther. Or is that something to have sympathy on? Or wh- where do you find the adversity in the trades in terms of the current status and is where we could go with it. I think I have an answer for this, Clay. Do you mind if I take a swing at it? Do it, man. Go for it. Awesome. Um, so the main answer to that is 100% why Clay and I are here. Because as we talked about earlier, remember the main problem that we focused on was there are so many HVAC trainers and there are so many plumbing trainers and there are so many people who say this will work for electric. But there are very, very, very few actual electricians that are training electricians. I remember when I started my company, I was desperate. I was desperate to get advice. I was desperate to learn because I knew that if I didn't succeed, there was nothing but, you know, an oncoming train for my future. And I mean that in a very literal sense. So the problem was, if you don't have people that can speak our language, we're always just going to keep feeling it's the redheaded stepchild. And it's gotten better over time, but only in marginable amounts. So the reason why Clay and I are so dedicated to helping this industry is because we feel like we've almost been called to do it. There's no one else stepping up to the plate to specifically work with electricians. Like we will literally turn down HVAC and plumbing contracts specifically to work with electricians more. And I feel like that's the direction this industry is going to be shifting to. And have, and have. Guys, can I, can I kick a little bit of knowledge on this one? Because it's something I'm, you know, we're so passionate about this. Have you guys ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Oh, yeah. Right? So, I mean, we don't have a visual, but we can talk through it a little bit. And I just want to say, like, what is adversity? What is that, right? It's kind of the challenges we face at the bottom of Maslow's triangle, which first is your physiological needs, air, air, water, shelter, food, reproductive, right? Right? Then it goes safety and security is your next level. Then love and connection. 
can we all agree that adversity is likely a deficiency in those three levels of Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Sure. That makes sense. Right? So then the fourth and fifth level are self-esteem and self-actualization. So one of the most important things to note about adversity is that people shouldn't be discounted for where they are in their values journey. If they're just not getting the, the air, water, food, shelter, you know, that they require to focus on work, that doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to be an all-star, right? If they're not getting that safety and security, they don't have the pricing figured out yet to be able to afford a mortgage and be able to have kids, et cetera. It doesn't mean they're not going to be an all-star. And if they're not getting that love and connection, the stuff they need so they can go to work and feel appreciated and confident in themselves, it doesn't mean they're not going to be an all-star. So something we talked about just last week is how, you know, these all-stars and, and your roles and, and the adversity in the background, I mean, it's, it's timeable. If we help people with those bottom three, the basement of the, the hierarchy of needs, we find all-stars just aren't ready in a lot of times. Does that make sense? Yeah, man. I, and I appreciate that perspective. You know, essentially you're saying like, hey, we're willing to draft single A, double A, triple A players in hopes and belief that one day they will make the pro team. And we're going to train them and coach them where they're at right now uh, with a desire and an emphasis to get them where they need to go. 100%, right? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, is what they say? Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. <laughs> nice, nice. Did that answer your question? Did, did, we, did we round that one up, adversity? Yeah, and, and in terms of that, you know, I, I agree with you totally that there is a, uh, Brian and I talked about this before, but there's a significant lacking on the electrical side of things. And, you know, I think for the for the most part, electrical has a lot of one-man bands out there kind of rolling around where HVAC probably has a lot more titans, you know, massive companies and things and plumbers are somewhere in between. Uh, and so there's just a, a lot of, um, you know, smaller operations that I don't think have quite caught up to things. And, and so it's great to have a, a set of guys like you who are not only knowledgeable in the background, but, but have a desire to see uh, that side of the industry grow, putting your emphasis, your efforts and, and your concentration into podcasts and training and everything that goes with it. So kudos to you guys. Yeah, I appreciate Thank you for that. that. Really appreciate yeah. you. It, transparently, it's 100% an ascension model. It's a value ladder. We show up live five days a week and we give action items every day, an action and an all-star action. And all we ask is, you know, we're trying to get behind every every windshield, every office, every headset in the gym. Uh, any electrician that can hear it can take away and take action and see a rise, see an improvement, see a benefit to it and then rise up through the ranks so those all-stars can just surface. It just comes down to that activity, really. For sure. So while, really while we're talking about that, I mean, since you guys are putting yourselves out there specific for the electricians, what are some of those things that you're looking to see uh, people overcome? You know, maybe let's start at the bottom. Like, what are some of the most common problems that you see, whether it's between the ears or between, you know, the hands and the tools? You know, what are the things that you see the electrical side of home services is struggling with right now. You know what? I'll get it started, Joe, if that's all right. I mean, yeah, yeah. We've got this diagram we use and it's this mountain that we're all trying to climb, right? Everyone's got these milestones they're looking up at. But then we've got these dark clouds overhead. And one of the first ones and the most prevalent ones is really what we call self-objection. And, and this begins to answer kind of the race to the bottom thing that happens where people come in with pricing and there's really not a lot of forethought into it. So they're, they're underpriced. So they're not able to grow with the amount they're charging. But then when they learn the price that they should be at for a healthy service growth company, 
you need a lot of self-objection. So there's there's a lot of change that has to happen for a lot of these contractors to really take hold and build something sustainable and great that's going to be able to create jobs and give back to a community. And that's hard to fake. That's actually really, really well. That's really, really well said, Clay. And um, I was going to say, do you mind? Can I add to that? Is that all right? Please, please. Let's, let's go. Awesome. So when I first started off, I want to say that Clay's story is literally one that I had to experience. When I started off, it was just me, a partner, and a van. And we were under the impression that, okay, well, I'll make $50 an hour, and you'll make $50 an hour, and the company makes $50 an hour. So we were stuck at like this 150 to 165 an hour rate, thinking that that's what electricians are supposed to charge. And as a result, we were often quoting things as we thought, this is how long it should take an electrician to do these jobs. Not how long it was going to take us or what our expenses were. We were just living through the thought of what someone else should be doing. But when we actually invested in training and we were like, all right, let's try and figure this out. What are we going to do? How can we get our company right? It turned out that we needed to be somewhere around like 300, 380. And it just completely blew my mind because I was told I needed to get there. But the ways of getting there wasn't clear. Because it was through the lens and through the means of an HVAC and a plumbing company. And we were electricians. So we could listen and we could try to extrapolate that information, but it wouldn't translate fully. So that's why it took so long to actually see success. And where our focus is going to be is we've had to walk there. And because we've had to walk those paths, we shouldn't let our clients take seven, eight, ten years to figure it out. We want them to figure it out within the first year, if not the first few months. So that's why it's so important that we have to talk about these kind of things. Yeah. And there's actually, there's really a couple answers. A great question, by the way, right? The next one I would say, we hear this often. Well, I saw that script. You guys gave me the front door script, right? I know what you want me to say when I take that call, but that won't work on this side of the Mississippi. That won't work mm-hmm. down here in Texas. That won't work here because. And so there's this, I think we tend to generalize and look at serving a community instead of embracing that it's, it's human psychology. And this stuff's not brand new, guys. There's going to be a lot of crossover content between our process and, and your processes. Uh, and, and so the same same applies to human psychology. We've we got to recognize that we're serving the person, not the community in that sense. Mm-hmm. That's a good perspective and, and certainly plays into your pricing as well, because your pricing uh, shouldn't necessarily be reflective of what the market can bear, so to speak. It should be reflective of what it takes to operate your business. And, and you know, that, that needs to be whatever it is, wherever you live in the country. 100% agree. Couldn't agree mm-hmm. more. And lastly, I would say for electricians, honestly, we're all a little, uh, I could say this, I'm an electrician, we're all a little socially inept, right? We all love that code book so much. We all love our tech so much. And we love our tech terminology so much that we can lose our customers in that. And that's probably one of the other biggest takeaways. Clay, can I add to that for a moment? I think you better. Thank you. Literally in that circumstance, that sums up electricians to a T. And Brian and Nate, I'd like to add that so many electricians use a dangerous word. And that word is to code. We describe things as code when we're describing things to people who have no idea what that even means. And the code isn't in place to make sure that the customer is you know, getting a system perfectly designed for them. The code just means that at a bare minimum level, it's not going to burn their house to the ground. So instead of saying things to code, we always reflect it as to safety standard or to modern safety standard. So getting the electrician to shift their focus away from what does this book tell me that I have to do? And instead, translating it to 
how does my knowledge of this book allow me to serve the client's emotional and physical needs at the highest and most professional level? If you were going to sum up what we do, I'd say that is a very good way of describing it. Interesting that you bring yeah, that up it. because earlier one of you had mentioned the idea of self-objection, right? So the, the concept of not mm-hmm. believing in yourself, of having a very low self-esteem, you know, being beat down by whether it's you know somebody in your family and your upbringing or by its customers day after day after day, or just a mm-hmm. generic like, hey, you know, oh, you're an electrician. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, so moving on, mm-hmm. you know, it's this reputation that there is no value there or very little. And I think, you know, people like you guys and, and our podcast and a lot of the industry is trying to turn that around and instill the inherent belief that there is value in what is done in the field by people with their hands and the knowledge. And in addition, the communication that goes with it, like you guys had to learn and overcome in your own stories. But it's, it, that's mm-hmm. a long journey. It doesn't take you know, just a few days for an entire industry to shift their mindset to believing that there is worth and value in what we do. Right. And so as you mm-hmm. guys like look into that and whether it's, you know, I'm a code book junkie or whether, you know, you're autistic or whether you're just like an introvert type of thing, what are some of the strategies or encouragements that you can give out there to the electricians or anybody really to say, guys, you're worth it. There's value in what you do. There's value in what you know. And you need to bring yourself and act yourself accordingly when it comes to dealing with homes and homeowners. I got a, I got a great story. Okay, we both got it. Am take, I it take it away. But... All right, put it on the T. I'm going to crush it. Okay. Um, one of the, the best stories I've had for this, because what you focus on grows, right? We learned that when we're driving a car. You ever learn mm-hmm. to ski or snowboard? They say, don't look at the trees. Why? Because that's where you'll end up, right? So that self-objection, to give you a real example, when you're at the door with your new rate going, okay, on one hand, I know this is my sustainable growth rate. But on the other hand, how are they actually going to buy this? How are they going to perceive this? When I present, oh my God, I hope they don't think it's too much. Will they think it's too much? All those thoughts are clouding your best service, right? So filling your head with the good stuff is what's needed here, that you are worth it. And we add value to those situations, right? By understanding people, we can be very specific in what we're offering them and their needs at the time. So let me give you an example, this little story from a a past client that we worked with last year a bit. He said to me one day, Clay, this makes me feel salesy. And we were talking about options and inspecting other things while you're in the house, basic inspection. And I said, okay, let's go to the whiteboard. And so what we did is we did a count of all his hours in electrical. And it worked out to like 45,000 hours invested in the trade. That is a guru. Friends call him for code advice. Yet he's being defeated by his own dark cloud when he gets to the door trying to do the right thing with all this knowledge and experience. So on the flip side, I said, okay, now we're still on the whiteboard here. I drew a line across the whiteboard. Now let's let's count all your sales experience. And he goes, what sales experience? What, what sales training? What sales schooling? It was a big fat zero. So it's interesting that we show up feeling salesy and having these self-objections while never actually having any sales training in the background anyway, mm-hmm. right? And, and so the idea becomes, you're a master electrician and you're falling short of the right thing to do because of this fear, false evidence appearing real, the acronym, that you're going to come off salesy. So here's what I say as salesy. If a customer calls you to replace a bathroom exhaust fan and that's all that you do, knowing damn well that an electrician hasn't been in that house for years and won't be again for years, that's freaking salesy, man. Mm-hmm. Get in, solve one problem, get the money, get out. I've never heard anything more salesy in my life. 
So that's, that's the big problem here. Joseph, can I tee you back up? You jumping in? I, I love it. No, I was going to say literally it's hilarious how parallel you and I run at times because I wanted to touch on that. So I'm now going to have to change my thing to now talk about something a little bit different. But realistically, the one thing that I also see that comes into play is that the technician doesn't value their own time. Like they have this mental understanding like, okay, I have all this code knowledge, but they're so worried that the customer that they're going to meet is going to shoot them down with the knowledge as if they're some electrical inspector in their own right. The thing is, is that the value in which we communicate what we're doing needs to also always be in the customer's best interest. So what I mean by that is this. You can be the best and the smartest electrician in the world. You could be this code guru. You could know everything about any kind of electrical design. But if you haven't been trained on how to communicate that value to your customer, the customer will always end up reverting to the value they originally suspected you were going to be at. So what that means is this. If you go to a customer's home and basic call, we find out there's an arc fault that's broken, right? Faulted arc fault circuit. And then you go to the customer and you say, yeah, you just got a bad breaker. They've got this mindset of saying, well, I don't know what an arc fault is, so that's useless. I know breaker, that should be about 10 to $15 and should take about 20 minutes to change out. So what are we talking here about? 75 bucks? And how many of us are charging $75 for that? But at the same time, if you can say what this thing is doing, this is a spark arresting system or this is a spark sensing system or this is an anti-fire system. This is a part of your system that detects whether or not you're going to have the conditions required for a spark big enough to start a fire. And it's automatically sensing to shut off prior to that happening. Would your customer not see that as more valuable? Would they not want that? Especially if it was ensuring things are to modern safety standards. So to wrap up my long-winded statement, and forgive me for going a little bit on it, it's to say, we know what we're doing in a practical sense. Our role is to communicate it in a way that a customer can easily digest it and that they can see the value as for what we're actually doing. That's so Does that good. make sense? That's so good, Joseph. And I'm, we're totally in agreement with you here, man, because there's, there's so much of uh, whatever it is in the home services industry that, you know, is is weekend warrior type stuff, you know, the, the flapper, Mm -hmm. the, uh, the, you know, the replacing one receptacle type of stuff, like, you know, lots of people can or try to do those types of things. And so it creates this perception that, oh, what you're doing isn't really all that much harder. It might just be one additional thing. I could probably YouTube it or something like that and figure my way through it. And so what you're trying to bring in is all your experience and, and tailor make it with communication to help the client understand that this is far and above beyond what the normal weekend warrior Harry homeowner should be worrying about, focused on, capable of doing, in addition to the fact that, have you considered this? Have you considered that? Have you thought about this? Were you thinking about this or that? And all these other things that make your value proposition as a master electrician or journeyman or whatever you are, a professional, makes your value proposition mm-hmm. so much more worthwhile in the home. And that's what the communication element of it is, right? Otherwise, you are just this guy in a corner that has tons of knowledge, but no way of applying it. Exactly. And if we can, if I can dig into this a little bit more, it's one of those circumstances where we find that the average electrician, when they come to us and say, well, I don't know how you can create value for this. It often is on these quote unquote small calls. Like they'll say, well, I've got a ceiling fan 
And the ceiling fan is just in the box. They got it from Home Depot. It's right there. It's waiting for me. And they've already got an existing ceiling fan. How can I possibly create value for this? They're going to expect it to be done for $300. But then you look at the installation and say, okay, now if it's, is it truly perfect, right? I see a remote that's on the wall, which means that right now that fan has to usually be controlled. If there's no switch and there's just a remote, you're talking about a constant hot situation. And does that mean that if that relay that's controlling the remote were to fail, now this customer is stuck walking through their room in the dark trying to find the remote if for some reason they forgot to put it by the front door or by the door that leads to the room. So would it not be more valuable to the customer to be able to say, I recognize that you want me to do this and I have options to do it the way that you're originally suggesting, but would it be wrong of me to suggest other ways that can make you safer, more comfortable and get more enjoyment out of this? Would I be wrong to do so? And simply just opening that form of the conversation, you'll find that customers are going to say, no, I, I actually, I can't blame you. And yeah, you know what? It does suck when I know one of my kids takes the remote or the remote battery dies or I forget to move it somewhere else. Yeah, I would want to hear about that. And now you have the opportunity to explain that in a way that's not only professional, ethical, but effectively in your way of communication. I love that. And Clay, a minute ago, you had talked about how one of the worst examples of salesiness is somebody going in and fixing a singular problem without considering anything else. So let's get down, get down to brass tacks on this thing. Okay, so it's not uncommon for an electrician to be called out because a singular receptacle isn't working somewhere in the house or a single switch isn't working somewhere in the house. How exactly am I supposed to connect with a client about this one receptacle that's not working and somehow get the whole way through the rest of the house to have a more holistic conversation without tripping all over myself. What does that look like or sound like? Yeah, for sure. And this one's going to be a team answer too. We're going right down a really important corridor here. And mm -hmm. just to add to what I said before too, with that fear, that false evidence appearing real, that, that self objection cloud, it's so important to visualize this correctly as you're going to it, right? Don't look for the objections. Just eliminate objections by being a friend. Get your expertise out front by being a friend. And if you picture, instead of this being a new client that you've never met before, but an old friend who I'm going to serve at the highest level. I've heard Joseph use this example before, and I absolutely love it. If you're going to your best friend's house, are you not going to show them all the potential? Well, I guess right? it depends. I mean, isn't that some of the, the head trash, right? So if my buddy called me up and said, hey, man, can you come over and like help me redo the kitchen receptacles? You know, part part of the industry would say, sure, man, I'll come over and do that. And I'm just going to go in and go out and get, you know, get out of there because that's all my buddy wants me to do. And the other part of the industry might slow down and say, hey, man, before we do this, we should really examine this, that and whatever. So like you kind of have two different perspectives on that. Sometimes people view it as doing their buddy a solid by turning a blind eye to some of the other things, you know, because they don't want to have that conversation with their friend about extra money and extra this, that and whatever. And then other parts of the industry are all about like, hey, man, like before we do this, let's consider three other points before we got there. 100%. And I can appreciate that side too. So let me give this a little more context. For me, I think that the value in this exercise is saying blinders on, I'm going to serve this person 110%. If this is my best friend and they're a carpenter, not an electrician, or they're a dentist or any other profession, and they just don't know what they don't know. And we're going to transition to our process and give you guys some goods with this too. But given that context, 
I personally love educating people. I love being a part of that and getting to be the hero of the day. And so if I'm going to serve 110% this person, no one else, phone on vibrate, this is the only client in front of me, and I want to show them all the gifts that I have to give and let them make the choices on what sits and, and what, what doesn't. But I'll, I'll tag Joseph in a bit on this too, because as we go in, as part of our process, we're not going to the location of that fault first, are we, Joseph? No, we are not. And Clay, talk about a setup. I love it. So we designed the sales process, not as a sales process, but as a service process. To serve the customer at the highest level, we need to bypass the objections that they're going to try to give and solve them before they even come up. So sometimes what people will say is, well, I go to the area of the fault and I see it's one bad outlet and then I reset the outlet and the microwave come back on and everyone's happy now. It's like, okay, well, did you take the time to check and see what's feeding that counterpoint? So the first area that we go to is we actually are going to see the panel. The very first thing we're going to see is that. And the justification isn't that we're going to try and sell them things. The justification is for our safety and for theirs. The first point we're going to have to look at is to ensure that we have make sure all your emergency shutoffs and safety disconnects are in place and they're functional. Before we can touch anything electrical, I've got to make sure that if there is an emergency, I at least know which direction to run to to turn something off. Can you blame me for wanting to do that for you and your family? Very rarely will they say no. Now, while you're walking to the panel, we're going to be asking the customer questions like, you know, why is it that you feel it needs to be done? Who found the problem? You know, what did they say? What what are the conditions that were present that made you even decide to call an electrician in the first place? Why not just avoid doing it at all? Why not just leave it broken? We're asking questions for the customer to come to us and start coming to their own revelation of why they need it done. So that by time we're actually in the panel with the cover off, they have a vested interest in standing over our shoulder. And now when they see the cover off, they're going to be saying things like, well, no one else has to look at that. Why do you have to look at it? And just like as Clay was saying, where he wants to educate people, I can be able to go to someone and say, well, as a professional, we have an obligation to ensure that your safety is being taken care of. And the only way to ensure that these safety shutoffs are actually functional and working is to open up and inspect the wiring that's connecting it. Once again, can you blame me for wanting to ensure you and your family had all those things in place? A lot of times you'll hear, well, no one else had to do that. So every interaction when you follow our process, it allows you to not only further investigate things, but it also lets you communicate why you're looking for these things. We're not looking because we're trying to sell. But as a result of looking, you will find things to sell. We're not trying to make the customer say things they don't want to say. But we're asking questions that allow us to get the truth of the answer. So as a result of all these things, we truly can service them at the highest level. Lastly, when you had said, you know, one side of the industry is saying, tell them everything. And the other side of the industry is saying, well, just tell them the bare minimum. I want to say they're both right. Both sides of the industry are correct. And that's what makes our method so much more effective. What we do is we always offer a range of choices from the finest money can buy to the most bare bones Franken fix we can come up with. So that imagine if I was your best friend coming to your home, I could say, yeah, I get it. You bought a ceiling fan from Home Depot. The cheapest possible thing I can do is to just tap off that outlet, run some wire mold on the wall, and then have that ceiling fan attached right onto the sheetrock. And it's going to be controlled by either a pull chain or a remote. That would be the cheapest thing. On the other end of the coin, what would be better? I'm going to cut in the wiring within the wall, or I'm going to run a dedicated circuit. I'm going to give you the reverse fan control. I'm going to make sure there's two switches. They're both going to be variable. You're going to have you know, a ceiling fan installed that will never get dust on the blades 
ever. You'll never have to die. I'll have it to where you can even have speakers built into the bulbs themselves to give you a truly premium level experience. Could you blame me for at least wanting to tell you because I think you and your family deserve this kind of stuff? At the very least, could you blame me for wanting to educate you on what it would look like? And the answer usually is no, I can't blame you. No, I'm still stuck back on the speakers, man. If you can get my, my ceiling fan to be blaring some music, I'm all in. <laughs> Let's go. Believe it or not, it's 100% a possibility. And it's actually something that I would do in a lot of my customers. Because a lot of times, you have to think about what am I truly doing? You go to, let's say, a living room or a dining room, and they've got a ceiling fan over the center. But you notice that they've got a large L couch in the room. What is that telling you? That's saying that this is a person that's probably entertaining more than one person. So as a result, my goal now is to say, how can I serve that need? And they actually make bulbs. You can even buy it from Home Depot. They've got like, you know, knockoff. But you can buy bulbs that you can actually put in. So if a if a typical fan has three or four bulb entry points, one of them becomes a speaker bulb. And then what you could do is when you turn on the fan, that bulb will sync to the pre-programmed customer's phone. So when the customer walks into the room and they turn on the switch, it'll automatically sync and you can get it to play music for them or have it sync directly to their call. So it's just an extra <laughs> level awesome. of servicing. Yeah, man. I love it. And and the way that you explain it is exactly what the industry needs. It's, it's so uh, intuitive, right? It, it just makes sense uh, as you're explaining it, but it takes so long for people to wrap their heads around it because it's been beaten into the industry for decades that no man, you know, you turn a blind eye, you just walk straight up to the problem, you fix it, you mind your own business, you do your thing and you get out of there as fast as you can. And then you have the other side mm -hmm. of it, which is like, no, we got to give them everything. Like, oh, okay, well, they didn't really need a panel. And then you get into this whole argument about what the customer needed and what was right and whatever. Isn't it ultimately the client's choice as to what they want to do with their own money? A hundred percent. And the logic therein was always, I refuse to spend your money for you. It is entirely unethical for me to do so. I don't know what you're going through and I don't know what your financial situation is. But at the same time, because I don't know what your financial situation is and I don't know what you're living with, could you at the very least blame me for wanting to design systems that had your highest level of comfort, safety, reliability, convenience, future enhancement? You don't have to move forward with them. But could you blame me for at the very least telling you about it? Yeah, it's our job to make as many options available as possible to improve their quality of life and then be as flexible as possible to help them realize it. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. So we had a, a client win. I want to share with you today, actually, as we just got off a call earlier with uh, with our, our clients and, and it was a dock and he's out East Coast and, and there was some dock upgrades that uh, a homeowner was looking for. Um, can't imagine the property. It must be beautiful. They got their own access to the ocean there. But he came into a call, a quick call with us and was like, guys, I'm having trouble with options. Can, can you guys help? And collectively in our group, I mean, this is one of the superpowers of a better better practice group really is everyone starts dropping options. And we, you know, trying to get to six, I think we came up with about 12 and 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then today reported back and said, okay, look, guys, here's the lowdown. This is a repeat client. I was able to give them five options. He's still working on the process. We're really proud of him for getting to five, not quite six, but hey, they commented because they're repeat, they could tell the differences. They could see that now I'm offering more than two options and they liked it. And they took my third option up, which was a $3,000 upside. The clients are happier. I'm more paid, right? And everything's a go. It's an unbelievable win. And it's just one. And then he said this, you know, this message, 
which is huge. I'm looking back and I'm thinking about how much has been left on the table, not just money, but client satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's the shame of it all, right? Because there's just, it's, there's such this uh, stigma against sales and everything in the home services industry that nobody ever takes into account that no homeowners would actually be more happy if there was better solutions out there and somebody actually talked to them about them. Oh my God. Yes. Clay, can I, can I just take a stab at this? Because there's something I really got to say. Crush it. Let's go. <laughs> awesome. You can tell uh, Clay and I we try to we try to pass the ball equally. I mean, I love the guy; he's brilliant. So I would never want to step on anyone's toes. So I'm glad that we have the people say here. But the thing is, there are so many electricians and service providers as a whole that struggle to think of what will my customer have to do when I leave. Right? Like the rule of thumb is electricians we are usually terrible painters. Like by by definition, we're usually bad mutters and bad painters. So as a result. We don't want to offer it. But by not offering it, we now force the customer to take on additional projects or expenses that are outside of our control. So going back to that same ceiling fan quote, and someone's like, well, what do I do? They have the ceiling fan existing. How can I possibly quote for this? Well, okay. You got to cut in two switch lines. Maybe there's not an open attic. Maybe there's not an open basement. You got to physically cut walls to get it to the location. Who's going to patch those holes? And a lot of times everyone's scratching their head. So something that I found that was super helpful was saying we should either A, hire someone in-house like I did, where we had a built-in painter who would handle all the calls for us, or you subcontract it out to where you're like, you know what? In this price, you don't have to do anything but write us the check. We're going to provide the fan. We're going to provide you the premium experience. We're going to do the spackling, the sanding, the taping, the finishing, the painting, the whole nine yards, and we're going to give you a warranty. And we're going to give you the club membership. And all you have to do is take back your feet and finish signing the check. So by saying that, we realize that why aren't we thinking what the customer has to experience when we leave the house? Same thing that applies to trenching, right? All of us want to do generators. All of us want to get into pools. But when we think about digging our trenches, some electricians don't want to dig. And even less electricians are thinking to themselves, you know what we should do? After we dig, we should come back with topsoil. In the spring, when everything's going to settle, and then we're going to reseed on top of it. And I'm going to come back here on a scheduled routine call to make sure you don't have any dips. Wouldn't that be the next level of premium service that most electricians wouldn't be thinking about? Absolutely. And I think that's, those are all great thoughts to be considering there. Uh, Ultimately, it is about serving the client and serving them to the highest capacity. Your knowledge, your industry-specific experience, all that is at the service, the beck and call of the client's desire, but you don't understand desire without presenting options and opportunity for the client to take advantage of everything that you're bringing to the table. And that's really the crux of it, right? You know, we have 20, 30, 40 year electricians out there who have more industry knowledge than anybody, you know, we're talking like anybody in the state perhaps. But they're not positioning mm-hmm. it in they're not positioning it in such a way that the client is best served. You know, it's it's like a book that is never read that contains the secrets of the world. It doesn't matter if the pages aren't turned, and it doesn't matter if you don't present options to a client for them to take advantage of all of that amazing knowledge and experience that you have. Oh my God, right. that's so true. Like the late great Jim Rohn once said, "That old dog won't hunt." Yeah. Hey, Joseph, Joseph said the P word. I got to let you guys know. There's a bit of a funny story there. Joseph, how much do you love pool, Joe? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've been advised to not use profanity, 
in this particular group it's at the family meeting but let me just say i hate pool at a molecular level <laughs> pool, i absolutely like, hate like billiards pool. like okay so like any, any kind of like um like swimming pool oh, okay. hot tub so the thing is is i learned for a very long time operating at the premium level that we were operating at when I ran my company was that there were a lot of other specific pool companies. Like there were companies that just did pools and would have like an electrician that kind of just subbed the work. You know what I mean? Like I'll do a pool installation for $500 for $700, whole thing, soup to nuts, all thing will be done for 700 bucks. And then you have a, a regular license electrician coming in at like $3,500 to do it. So I've actually learned ways of how to commute, how to communicate value, even when it's so stacked against you. But the way to do that isn't by going apples to apples. It's actually by saying, I'm glad that I'm three to four times higher than that other person. And I can specifically show you why and what you're going to be getting from us as a result. So I wasn't sure if you were hoping that was going to be on the T on that one. But um, I, I could talk about that as much as you guys want me to. I, I love that one-liner. I love that one-liner. Uh, what did you say? We specialize in... Yep. So so the thing that we would do... Um, I, what, and if, I, if I can just take five minutes to talk about it or two minutes to talk about it, I'll try and make it as concise as possible, was we hated pools to such a level that we were just, we were just losing on them all the time. And I couldn't figure out why. And you know, none of the coaches I had were electricians, so they had no idea how to advise me on it. So what I found was, well, if we're always losing these jobs to the $700 pool company, what I first started doing was saying, you know what? I'll offer a free inspection post-call when they're done doing all their pool installations. And what I was finding was that what was quoted wasn't what was always delivered. Like, yeah, you could say, I'm installing a pool disconnect, they're installing a pool disconnect. But what I was doing was installing a beautiful, dedicated 100-amp panel on PVC board and physically mounted with a Dynatrap connection and everything there. And they were installing a rocket post that you got from Home Depot with one GFI with maybe a bubble cover. It wasn't the same. So what I was doing was I was ended up taking pictures of all these installations, opening up, taking a look at the wires, looking at the connections, seeing that they didn't put no locks on the outside stuff, and noticing that it actually passed inspection. So what would happen was I started making a book of all these bad installations that were done on the cheap. And eventually, we were able to go to our customers. And when they said, hey, we got a customer, we got someone who said he was going to do this whole job for $700, I would actually clap my hands and put a smile on and say, that's actually awesome because we specialize in fixing $700 pool installations. <laughs> would you like to see how? That's great, man. <laughs> yeah. And I would literally have a book of all those pictures that I took. And I would say, you know what? This one was done for 500 This one was done for 700 This one was done for 1300 And then I would turn over to the end and I'd say, and this is ours done for 5000 Or this is ours done for 7000 And I would explain the differences because of them. And it always ends with, was I wrong to offer you this? Was I wrong to at least let you know that this level of safety or reliability or comfort was available to you and your family? And almost always they'd be like, no, I was I didn't even know that this was an option. Okay, so how would you like to proceed from here? And it was a way, it was one of the only ways I was sounding effective at closing those jobs on a higher consistency. I and love and that, you man. know what? I hate to I don't want to hijack your guys' show, but there's one more funny story. Joseph, you had your worst shock on a pool job, didn't you? Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I can I tell that one? Do it, do it, try it. All right. So one of the things that every electrician likes to say is like, we all like to brag about who got shocked worse, right? Like it always happens. It's always like, oh, I did this. I did that. So I, I blew up once. 
mine, I think, will take the cake for a residential electrician. I was working on a pool panel, right? It was like, actually, no, it was a pool timer. I was in a pool timer and I was like under like a deck. So if I can give you like a visual, like, you know how sometimes you'll have like electrical enclosures that are like under a deck and, you know, it's like a, a hidden away enclosure. So the first thing, remember why in our process, we say we're always going to check the panel and we're going to take the cover off to make sure that uh, the breaker is the right breaker. I didn't follow that process at first. This was pre, this is pre-process Joe. And I was working <laughs> with an apprentice and I saw on the panel, it said pool disconnect. So I said, all right, that two pull 20, you're going to turn off right here. He says, no problem, boss. I'm going to do that. I get in there. He says he turns it off. I see that breaker's off. Okay, cool. I'm working in there. Turns out that the breaker was actually not the right breaker. That one leg of the 240 circuit was on the two pole, but the other leg was on the single pole 20 directly above it. <laughs> so it still had half a leg on power. I didn't realize I didn't check. It hit me so hard that I actually grew, hit my elbow. Actually, I, my elbow was touching against like a metal component of the frame and actually ground it out, went from my finger to my elbow. I actually still have the scar to show it. And it made me fall back so hard that I hit the post of the deck with enough impact that it actually shook a beehive. It was actually a hornet's nest off the under of the deck fell backwards into a patch of poison ivy and was getting stung by the bees during the process. All wow. while still wondering what the heck just happened on the shot. Man, that's, that's brutal, man. <laughs> Good story. So that, that, I, 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 I can say that definitely takes the cake with that. Well, guys, it's, it's been awesome. And the time has been flying by here. Before we wrap up, I wanted to give you the opportunity to tell to us a little bit about what's going on with Electropreneur's uh, Secrets and everything that you guys are doing there. What we're trying to accomplish with that is, as I mentioned briefly earlier, trying to get behind the windshield of every working electrical van in North America. And we know that this stuff works. And so we're literally on a five-day-a-week mission, showing up live. And then those lives from our Facebook group go to our podcast. You can find our podcast on on Spotify, on, on your Apple, iTunes, their, their uh, Google podcast. It's, it's all across, even on YouTube. And you can either search Electricpreneur, or if that's a little complicated, then uh, you can look up the Electrician Podcast, and we show up there top of the list. So otherwise, guys, you can actually join us live, engage with us on that Facebook group. Again, Electricpreneur or the Electrician Podcast will get you there. Uh, website's right under construction. We're a couple weeks away from that, but appreciate that. And, and that, that mission five days a week is, is to, you know, be that risen tide that floats all boats to help you master sales, simplify pricing, and deliver premium level service. So that that's it in a nutshell, you guys. Yeah. So the Electricpreneur Podcast, I punched in electrician in Apple podcast while we were talking, not that I would ever have my phone in here ever, Nate. So don't look at me, yeah. like that. but, uh, it is, <laughs> it's on the very first page, electricpreneur secrets. Nice. There it is. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been an absolute treat. Fantastic. It, it, really has, it has been for us guys. And, uh, we're excited for what you're doing for the industry. Like I said, the electrical side of the home services is starving for this type of information. And I'm glad that you guys have an industry-specific intentionality behind what you're doing. I love that you're both experiencing the trades, but you're also trying to bring the revelation about what communication can do for everybody in uh, the electrical trucks, you know, and that's such a great thing. It's what we're missing. It's what the industry needs. And a shout out to you guys for making that happen. Uh, if people are interested in joining the group, is that is that public group or is that open that they can just hop in there or do they need to be permitted in? What does that look like? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's public, so you can literally jump in, see stuff right away. Uh, add myself, Clay Newmeyer, and uh, Joseph at Joseph Lucani on Facebook as well. And as you get closer to us, you're also going to receive. You know, every week we're given free value pieces, including that front door and club membership we talked about. We've got follow-up scripts, um, pricing tools. I mean, the list goes on and it just keeps growing, guys. To, to say it just short and sweet, like strategy is not the problem. State management is. The activity, the consistent activity is the problem. So we're not afraid of giving strategy away. And we do every day for that reason. So that's that's it in a nutshell, you guys. Join the group. Come join us there live, engage, and uh, look forward to it. That's great, guys. And as we close out the podcast today, if I could get both of you to just kind of answer the, the last question here, which is basically, what what is your hope? What is your hope for the up-and-coming electrical industry? What do you desire for them to become? You know, the 20-somethings that are just getting into it, the 30 and 40-somethings that still have an open mind, and maybe a couple of those old-timers out there that are saying, hey, you know what, what I've been doing isn't working. I'd like to try something new. What is your hope for where the industry can go? Uh, I think it's yeah, go ahead, because you do your all right, all right. Service to others is the highest form of distinction, right? Not representing ourselves in this way, not going through exactly what we talked about today and putting that stuff forward and really taking care of people and their needs is a disservice to others. So that's what I want to see. I want to see the service uh, standard rise in this trade. I want to see a better practice group of premium service providers rising up so that we don't have to worry about that, that rat race piece that race to the bottom. You don't have to worry about being overtaken by the low price guy on the block because you're not even close to the same. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Joseph. No, and I didn't mean to interrupt you on that. I feel like that was a great way of describing it. But for me, the electrical trade has done so much for me on a personal level in the fact of I literally was going to kill myself. And this allowed me, this process, this dedication to growth allowed me to get over that. But I wouldn't have even had the ability to get exposed to it if it wasn't for the electrical trade. And the thing is, is that there are so many electricians out there. Like there are so many of us that are either socially inept or that are neurodivergent or are just trying to figure a way to scratch it together. And there is no one giving them the advice on how to live life, how to grow, how to improve how to develop a business, how to develop yourself personally. So my personal view of of what I want this to come from is, yeah, Clay and I are definitely parallel. We want to rise all ships in the harbor. Don't get me wrong. I want every electrician we come in contact with to be better. But if for what will make it a success in my eyes is if I can just stop one other person from going down the path I was going to go down and say, no, there's a better way. That will be success for me. Just knowing that I was able to save one more life from going down the path I was going to go down. That would mean the world to me. I love it, guys. And you certainly have a great start at it. Make sure that you check out Joseph and Clay and all the resources resources that they have, uh, their podcasts and everywhere else they are on social media. Thanks so much, guys, for being with us today. We really appreciate it and uh, keep up the great work. Yeah, we appreciate you guys uh, so kind of doing what we do here, which is helping to take the stigma out of selling in the trades and, and, um, making it seem less like anyone who wants to up their communication game and get better at getting people to say yes to the things that they offer. It does not mean that they are criminals or crooked or looking to get over on somebody. Amen to that. I'm grateful that you and I run parallel. I got a promise for you guys. We will not waste a single day in the pursuit of this venture. That's what's up. <laughs> You're the first one to make that promise on the show. What's happening? <laughs> Thanks guys. It's been great. Thank you.
Hey, that's a wrap for this podcast. I hope you enjoyed your time with Joseph and Clay, uh, two really great guys who are doing good things in the home services industry, specific to electricians. And like I was saying in the show, there's such a starvation on that branch of the home services industry. And I love the fact that there's a dedicated team of guys who are pursuing the electricians and what they need to be doing better. Regardless as to whether you're an electrician or not, uh, I think there was plenty of applicable messages and what they were talking about throughout the show in terms of making those options, presenting to the client, using your industry knowledge as an advantage to the client and not harming yourself by uh, putting all that in a box and also hurting the client by not giving them the service that they are due. We hope that you enjoyed the show and you're always enjoying the show. Make sure to leave us a review and some feedback. We'd sure love to hear your comments and what you'd like to hear more about in the future. We're going to leave you now with our weekly challenge, which is the same each week to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day.